Bree, what's going on? Appreciate you hey. being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah, of course. I uh, appreciate you taking some time to to hang out with me and my guests. I um yeah. I'm excited to have you. I think before you give your little intro, I'll give you a little bit of an intro for yourself, something I like to do for all my guests. The reason that I wanted to have you on the show is because I think you do an incredibly good job with your social media, um, especially from a documentation standpoint of all the things that you're doing with yourself and just like you. uh, the transparency that you have, the good, the bad, the rationale as to why you make certain decisions. I think it's yeah. all really important to add that when we follow accounts on social media. And I just don't see that a ton here. And uh, you're one of the best that come to mind, in my opinion. And um, I'm excited to talk about some of the things we have on the list today, because I think it's going to kind of hit home with a lot of people. So just wanted to give you a shout out. I think you do an incredibly good job. Not to say that you're only a social media star. Of course, you're <laughs> coach, but uh, yeah, uh, I noticed that. And it takes a lot of fucking effort to put yeah. you know, uh, extra detail, extra slides into your content. And yeah, it just doesn't go unnoticed. So I know Thank your you. followers appreciate that. Fellow coaches appreciate that. And that's why I love consuming your content as well. But I'll be done. We're vomiting here. Give them a little uh, intro to yourself and we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So my name is Brie. Um, on my Instagram, it's Brianna Ray Fitness, but like everyone just calls me Brie. So y'all can call me Brie because no one remembers whether it's Brianna or Brianna. So I just go by Brie. Um, I am an online fitness and nutrition coach. I actually didn't start out that way. I was in insurance for actually six years and then the pandemic hit. And I've always been interested in fitness. I have like, feel like a long history in it all, helping friends and family. I always thought that doing a full-time career in fitness and nutrition would just ruin it for me because it was a passion. But if you make a passion a job, it ruins it. It just kills the passion for it. And so I never really did it. And then I always talked about, you know, just start an Instagram page, just inspire people, help people, whatever. It doesn't be your job. Just do it as a side thing. I was like, no, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Well, then, you know, the pandemic hit and we had nothing but time. And I was like, well, if that's really going to, if that was really your excuse, you don't have one anymore. So you either need to recognize that you, that you didn't have an excuse and you're bullshitting yourself the entire time, or that actually was an excuse. I was like, damn it. So then I started my page and I was like, wow, this is so much fun. Like helping people and like talking to people in the DMS and like, and uh, I, I could do this all the time. This would be so cool. And I was like, let's do this. Like, let's do, start doing this full time. And so in 20, I started doing coaching, um, in 2020 and then went full-time in 2021 and then have just been doing this ever since. And I love it. It's more, it's the better than I can ever imagine being able to do this full-time and helping people and <clears throat> helping people navigate food. And I think a big thing that I do with a lot of my clients is helping to find like food freedom. Cause I think my history comes from a lot of fearing carbs and fearing eating this. You can't eat this or can't eat that. And so just showing like you can have a cookie and pizza, but you also can prioritize your health and eat fruits and veggies and stuff like that. And you know, just recognizing that there can be a balance to all of this. So I feel like that's, that's kind of like a little bit of background. Well, I guess before, yeah, I went after I graduated college, went to insurance for six years. So did all that. And then I transitioned into this online coaching. I think I said that or not. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of me. Oh yeah. I want to actually touch on that kind of like path you chose after college. Yeah. It's always something that you had planned. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious because when we think of like fitness people online, fitness people, fitness accounts that we see, yeah. we follow and we admire, 
not to say that everyone has a different path, but there's always some kind of connection between like, Hey, I'm really passionate about fitness. I did this other thing. Didn't really give a fuck about that. So then I just ended up doing what I actually liked. And then I yeah. realized I could make a business out of it. What was the mindset going into like working in insurance for however many years? And I'm curious your experience with that. If that made that decision easier for you once the pandemic hit, um, cause that's like the epitome of a job that is probably pretty sedentary around yeah. people who are, you know, maybe immersed in different fads and like different conversations that kind of are cringy, right? Like yeah. that's not super conducive for being like super fucking fit, right? Now you yeah. get the opposite and it's like, that's all I do. That's all I care about. That's all I help people with. Like those are very big extremes, but I'm curious like what the decision was going into insurance and then also like how you felt doing that. And if, if that made any decision in you going into the route kind of where you did once the pandemic hit. Yeah, that's actually a really great question. So I went to college and got a biology degree. My, my was going to, I was like, I'm gonna do pre-med, be a doctor. And then I realized, and I wanted to be dermatologist specifically. And then I realized how competitive dermatology is. And like, I'm not going to say that I'm like not smart, like, I, but I understand I'm not that smart to be that competitive. Like, you know, I, I can be real with myself about that. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I don't want to be a dermatologist because not only is it really hard to be a doctor and like all the hours and money, my gosh, that you spend, but then you also have to be on that competitive edge. I'm like, I know I'm a smart person, but like, I'm not going to be the competitive 1% of dermatologists. So like, okay, let me go a different route. Let me do, you know, nursing or actually phys uh, physician's assistant was kind of the next route I was going to go. And so then I graduated college and, and my actually even to back up a little bit more, I did high school in three years and college in three years. I was one of those people where I was like, I'm done. I want to be out of school, living my life, be done. And so I think I really burned myself out. So when I got to the end of college, I actually took 12 hours of school over a Christmas break one year because I was just like, so I got a whole semester's worth of work done in a three week period. Like I was just ready to be done with school. I love learning, but I was just ready to be out of the formal like college stuff. And so when I got done with college, I was like, man, I'm burnt out. I'm not going to PA school. Like I need a break. And so that break turned into six years. And so I just went into insurance. Um, and if, if insurance pushed me into doing fitness and nutrition, I would say it's not necessarily that I wasn't miserable in my job. I really loved, I mean, it was insurance. Like how interesting does that really, really get? But I love the people that I work with. I had a wonderful work environment. I loved everyone, loved my coworkers. But I think why I really appreciate that I did for six years is I can really relate to the corporate worker who sits all day, nine to five. You know, like you said, it's not a conducive environment. It's like most people who are working a desk job all day aren't like these super crazy fit people or whatever. And so it's just like, I can relate when a client's like, well, I don't have time to meal prep. I'm like, well, you know. I get it. But at the same time, you, you find ways to make time or use your Sundays or whatever. Like I lived that lifestyle for so long that I can understand. And, and I have that relatability to a lot of clients. So I wouldn't say that my job necessarily pushed me into, I think that's more the pandemic that kind of pushed me of like, look, like I have the opportunity to do something that I'm actually really passionate about. And your job doesn't have to be a passion. Mine just got to be. Um, and so from that experience. And I also think just like, I was a manager too at my job. And so having that like leader role and then to owning my own business, I just think I got a lot of like professional background too. And so I just think there were a lot of learning things that came out of it that I wouldn't take back. So that was kind of, I think the transition from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I, I asked that cause I felt similarly in a sense, uh, even working in the healthcare field. Um, we didn't really talk about this. I'm a dietitian at heart. You know, when you yeah. Your undergrad in nutrition, you do your internship. 
like you start to enter the like dietetics field. There's a finite amount of jobs that you can have. It's like working in a hospital, skilled nursing home, yeah. uh, dialysis, yeah. uh, long-term care facilities, food service, like some public policy stuff. There's just like five or six directions that you could go. And, and I went the clinical route, worked in the hospital, ICU, yeah. did all that stuff for a year, did dialysis for a couple of years. And I, I, I can't emphasize this enough, but it's the fucking same in that area too. Nurses, yeah. doctors, even dietitians. Like you get in the nine to five world, you're around coworkers, you're other around other um, different professions and different people. Like pro health is kind of the minority in some sense in a lot of these certain yeah. settings, especially when it comes to working and and when people are career driven, and then you add kids, and then you add different responsibilities and age as totally. as we get older. Um, so even in the healthcare field, I want people to realize that like it could be hard as fuck, you know, to like be surrounded by a bunch of like minded people all the time. Um, yeah, I, I just find it fascinating that it's very similar across careers um, in terms of surrounding yourself with people. And again, that's where like a gym community comes into play. That's where like having a coach yeah. like yourself comes into play or, you know, building a strong, you know, inner circle, but man, you're just constantly surrounded by this in today's food environment. And it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of the reality that we live in, you know? So I love yeah, that totally. you empathize with your clients. Cause I feel similarly too, even though like I live and breathe health and fitness, yeah. I, I've seen what it's like, you know, three, four years working in that space of like what the actual challenges are, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And like, I'm a big believer, like we all don't have the same 24 hours in a day, but at the same time, you're, the difference between like a really successful client and my experience is a client who's looking at a situation saying, how can I solve this versus, oh, poor me, I can't figure this out. It's like, that's the the kind of the split. It's like, they have a problem. Okay. I don't have time to make dinner every single night. And one client will be like, how can I make time? Or how can I find time to figure out a problem around this? And one client's poor me, I can't figure it out. So I can't do it. And it's like half glass full, half glass empty. And so again, coming from that background, it just helps to be like, okay, I've been there, been there where I've come, where I feel like it's not a reality for me, but I know you can make it happen because it was something I was able to work around kind of thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. so you get through insurance, you decide to kind of make this your full-time thing. What was like the mindset behind that? uh, from like a, your own health and fitness goal standpoint, and maybe talk about what your goals were then maybe how they are, you know, different today or how they might be the same. Um, and just kind of like what that path has been like the last few years. Um, cause I want to talk about cutting and bulking and differences between yeah. you know, cutting for men and women and a lot of different things that can come from that. But I'm curious, just from a personal standpoint, what the mindset was when you decided to go all in and what you were doing at that time, maybe how it's different now, mindsets changed now, just things like that. Yeah. And you're talking about in my like fitness journey or like business stuff, fitness. you're saying fitness journey, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I felt like I was in a really good place. Like I, I wouldn't say that when I started to do coaching full time, that I was like, that's where I was struggling. I was whatever. I feel like I had done a lot of that prior, but it doesn't mean that you don't still struggle now. And so I feel like what I was working through then is just like, you know, I, that's when I started kind of the wear the damn shorts of like, just, just realizing it's never going to be enough. Like probably working through that of just like, you know, you lose weight and you lose weight and you lose weight. And then like, you look back at photos from three years ago where you thought you looked terrible and you're like, wow, I looked great then. Like, it's just never enough. And so finally being like, look, I have always hated how my legs looked. I've always hated the cellulite on them. And I've, I've, you know, worn shorts only like I can count on two hands, how many times I've worn shorts and I'm tired of 
sweating my ass through summer. And I was like, okay, I'm challenging myself. Like it's not a problem. My legs are not the problem. The problem is my mindset and how I, I visualize everything. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to challenge myself to wear shorts every single day. When I go on, like I had to wear shorts for all my workouts. Um, I wasn't allowed to wear leggings once. And so I kind of pushed through that. So I feel like a lot of, when I first started out, it was a lot of just like acceptance and mindset challenges of, of who I was. Um, and how I viewed myself. And then from there, I feel like a big, big transformation that I had, just how I see myself is my bulk that you kind of like, I kind of talked about and referenced a little bit. Um, I've just, I did a bulk for an entire year and just pro- having the most, I probably felt the most confident I ever felt in that bulk. And that was mind blowing to experience because I'm like, I'm not supposed to, like I have 12, I've gained 12 pounds and per you know society and how I've been conditioned and everything you're not supposed to feel more confident being bigger. So why do I feel more confident? It's like, I'm stronger. I'm eating foods. I love, I'm enjoying times with friends and family and just like all these things. And I'm also embracing the shape that I'm building. And so it's through pushing myself to accept myself in whatever stage of life that I'm in. I'm like, wow, this is really cool that I'm more confident now, 12 pounds heavier than I was when I was 12 pounds less. Or I can think back to when I was really, you know, teeny tiny, like just trying to be as small as possible. I had the worst confidence ever. And so that was a really interesting challenge to go through as well. So I feel like from the start of when I started coaching and doing that full time to now, I think it's been a lot of perspective challenges. As I talk through that, I think it's just been challenging how I view myself and that everything, like I just said a second ago, glass half empty, glass half full. And so it's really challenging my perspective and how I view things. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. And I think, uh, I think that's more important than, uh, reflecting back and be like, Oh, this, this was my macro split, or this is how many calories I was trying to eat, or this was my training split. And, uh, this was the image that I was working for right there. Cause I think a lot of times, like you said really well, is, is this idea that like, Hey, something that is in front of you is always going to be better than where you're at today. Yeah. And, uh, man, it just takes going through that over and over and over again and getting beat you know, be to death over and over, like emphasize that it's, it's not just this one thing you have to repeatedly experience the not enoughness so many times that you just get sick of it. And you're like, when am I going to finally be happy? You know? Yep, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think that plays into, I want to talk about your cut here too, but it just plays into this like transformation. I think that we are constantly bombarded with on social media and um, even non-fit health professionals, like, um, transformation challenges, transformation programs that you see online, transformation, especially this time of the year, as we kind of head into the end of the year, start of the new year is kind of what's being sold to a lot of people. And ironically, like usually the transformation that needs to happen the most or alongside with the physical transportation, it's kind of the mental, um, transportation, transformation. And I just know what you meant. To, uh, <laughs> Everyone did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just, just being able to acknowledge the fact that like, you can't have success long-term without changing your perspective, without reframing things, without unlearning yeah. old habits, behaviors, beliefs that yeah. to be honest with you has been keeping you stuck and feeling like you're in this fucking start cycle, uh, start yeah. stop cycle over and over again. So cool. I, I love that you said that. Yeah. Now from a physical kind of changing yourself standpoint, obviously the mindset piece was really important and kind of experiencing that, but what was the mindset? Hey, 2020, 2021, even where you are today, like you went through a surplus for a year, you documented it. It's great. You've gone through a few cuts yourself. What has kind of the, uh, the thought process been behind that? Cause usually what I see in the health space is like, Hey, somebody has this goal. They think fat loss is going to be the answer to that goal. 
maybe they lose a certain amount of weight and they're still unhappy maybe with what they see or they they have this physique or this image that they thought they were going to get to and then they lose some fat and then they realize that they aren't actually there, right? They, they don't have enough yeah. muscle. They, they didn't actually yeah. spend time building muscle and they've always been in this like restrictive mindset when they go through diets. Um, did you experience that at some level as well? And is that what led you into going into a bulk or did, did you just have some type of like itch to try and experiment with that? Like, I'm curious because from a female standpoint, not a lot of women intentionally try and gain weight unless you're in like the bodybuilding community. And, uh, I think that's changing right. too over time, but, um, I'm curious what, you know, gave you the confidence to do that or, or made you actually make that decision over the last few years or so. Yeah. I think, you know, it's constantly seeing photos. I, I know like transformation or, you know, before and afters or, oh, I weighed the same weight this in this photo versus this photo can get some crap or whatever. But honestly, like just seeing those photos of I weighed 150 pounds here and 150 pounds there and seeing the difference in shape. I think over and over and over again, finally built up my confidence. Like, look, like what I'm lacking is not fat loss. I can do fat loss. I've done it. Uh, I have quite a bit of times and I just don't get the shape that I'm wanting to get. And it's just like, okay, look, would you rather keep spinning your wheels over and over and over and over again for years and years, years to come? Or would you rather just say, take the plunge, understand like it's going to be uncomfortable, but anything worth growing and experiencing in life is going to be uncomfortable and like spend a year building some serious muscle. And then you're actually that much closer. So it's like, we always feel, I think that the long way is the long way when the long way is really the fast way, if that makes sense. And so it's like, actually the quicker way for me to get the aesthetic that I'm looking for. And even like, if I'm thinking long-term health of like having more muscle is actually just to sit like, just grit down, commit to putting on some body fat, being uncomfortable, not fitting in my clothes when putting on that same amount of muscle might take me three years to do if I did it more so of a maintenance and took longer. And so not that everything in life has to happen the fastest way. Um, but I think for me, it was just seeing over and over again, just women online posting their transformations of if they did a bulk or what their, their body looks like of the same weight, but different shape. And it's like, okay, I get it now. Like, I know I need to put on muscle and I'm, I was kind of just finally accept, like, I just need to be, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And like, it's just this sh really a year in the grand scheme of things is such a short amount of time. And so really me just doing it the, the more uncomfortable way was actually the quicker way than me spending. And there's nothing wrong with you building muscle over three years, the, the same amount that I built in the short amount of time. But I think it was just that over time, just constantly seeing things on social media and then coming to acceptance of like, okay, this is actually what I really want. And then just recognizing like, it's going to be tough. I think that's the first part is just the acceptance of like, it is going to be hard and that's okay. And instead of being like avoiding that mindset of like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be hard. Let me try and make myself comfortable. Let me like gain a few pounds, do a mini cut, gain a few pounds, do a mini cut, gain, just commit to it being hard and just get through it kind of thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I, uh, I've been through my own version of that. I'm going through that too. I'm on month, like, I think. 16 of a surplus right now, planning on maybe yeah. competing again in the spring. Um, sure. A lot of very similar experiences to you. And I want to add a little bit of context because that's just what we do here. I know that's what you do really well is, as well as just this idea, like this conversation that we're having right now might not apply to everybody at this, at their current season of life. Right. Totally. Um, the reality of, you know, 
the world that we live in now, like in our country, I think two out of every three people are overweight or obese, or we're pushing that number. Um, so we're not out here saying, Hey, I think everybody should go into a surplus and try and gain weight. Like, no, that's not what we should be doing. And, and clarifying this idea that like, Hey, if you have 20, 30, 40, 50 plus pounds to lose, there's nothing wrong with like losing weight, lifting strong, getting on a, on an intelligently programmed, like training program. There's a ton of progress to be made. This is oftentimes more for the people who get down to pretty lean levels of body fat, who get down to an area where maybe they've never been to before. And they are revealing a lot of muscle. Um, and usually there's like phases to this. So I, I want to clarify right. that because I don't want somebody here sitting 50 pounds every like, Oh shit, I need to gain more weight now. It's like, no, that's not what we're saying here. But we kind of like almost earn our right to go through these different phases. Just, we totally. just have to appreciate what phase you're currently in right now. So yeah, totally. And for, I think for a lot of people out there, or especially a lot of women, you've never, you can't remember a time that you weren't trying to lose body fat. Like if you think back, you're like, man, I remember my starting to try and lose body fat in high school and I'm in my forties now. And I can't remember last time I wasn't trying to pursue a smaller body. It's like, okay, well, maybe your next step is just being at maintenance. You don't need to go into a book, but just like the fact of getting out of this, I need to be smaller mindset or constantly trying to shrink down, just be at maintenance and be content with where your body is and what you've built and that it's strong and that it's capable and you're able body. Like they're like, you, I love that you pointed out that there's all these different phases of life. And so the phase of life I was in is like, I had been fat loss, fat loss, fat loss, fat loss. And I was like, as lean as I was really ever going to get, unless I really wanted to get into a territory of, I'd hate my life kind of thing. And it's like, okay, my best life now is going to be with more muscle. And that's kind of where I was at too. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that fires me up. And it's, uh, it's, we'll talk about aha moments here. Um, maybe a little bit later, but there's always these like aha moments in people's like health and wellness journeys. Cause that's really what we're on. We're all on our own little individual journey. And ironically, there's like really no like endpoint until we die, you know? So like this yeah, is the forever yeah. thing and it's always on this continuum. Uh, and yeah. when you start to appreciate the fact that like, Hey, there's different phases to this, right? Like we talk about nutrition periodization or training periodization. It's like, there's all these different phases that somebody is going to go through and, and everyone's starting point is going to be different. Genetically, everyone's going to have different starting points for that too. Maybe a different hand that they're held. Um, there's a lot of different um, confounding variables that go into like how much time you could put towards into this, what's your starting weight, uh, what's your end goal, uh, what is important to you, like how much time, like you said, we all don't have the same 24 hours in a day. So there's all these things that we have to remember that this is truly an individualized type of process and, and, um, appreciating the fact that there's going to be different seasons is important. Cause I think what you said, well, is like, when you realize that you realize that there's a long way that a lot of us are resistant to is ironically the shortest path to getting to where you want to be in maybe a year or two years yeah. or five years, even though it sounds like a fuck long time right now, that time is going to pass regardless. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but that's better than, Hey, spending 10, 20, like multiple decades of your life, ending up at 60 years old and still looking back on your time and feeling like it was a waste of time or you haven't made any progress. And just, you know, trying to unlearn that at 60 is going to be a lot more difficult than you at 30 or 35. So right. I, um, yeah, I just think this like periodization conversation is really important because that's when you really start to appreciate the different seasons of what it's going to take to get to where you want to be, whether it's fat loss, yeah. whether it's maintenance, right. Learning how to track, um, food and also learning how to live life without tracking food. I'm um, going through a surplus. Like you've been, been through, if that's something that is maybe necessary or part of the, the trade-offs that you've accepted to get to a different place than where you're at right now. And I find that 
when you start to break these down, you start to appreciate these different seasons of your life instead of only trying to appreciate what the outcome goal is that you're trying to shoot for. Yeah. And that's, again, like you said, I keep coming back to it, but like, that's the fucking shortcut. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. I don't even want to hear that as well, but like people need to hear it though, need to hear you it. know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. That's kind of where my brain went. Um, just to kind of build off of what you said. No, I love it. Yeah. That's cool. So you go through your bulk here, the, you know, maybe what three, four months ago, you finished that you go into a cut. Tell me what, um, I'm always curious. Why did you stop your bulk? And then, um, going into your cut, I'm curious expectation versus reality. Did it happen? What you kind of expected to, I know this is a kind of a multiple part question here, but no, you're uh, I'm going to forget the second part that you asked. Exactly. So. <laughs> let's go. Let's just go through the surplus part. Like what, what okay. made you stop and then kind of like want to go for a fat loss phase again? Yeah. So that. the reason, yeah. So the reason why I stopped is I told myself I'm going to do a bulk for an entire year, 365 days. And so that was my goal. And so could I have gone longer? Totally. Um, but I think just my goal was like, you know, I, this is not the first time I've technically bulked. I would say my first time bulking, I didn't realize I was bulking. I just thought that if you didn't eat carbs, then you couldn't gain weight. And so unintentionally, I was eating a ton of fats, which is fine, but I was gaining weight while lifting weights. And so I did a bulk like a long time ago. And then I did a bulk. Oh gosh, I don't even remember, but definitely pre pandemic. That's how I like time-wise everything nowadays. Um, but I only did it for like six months and it wasn't very well structured. And then this was my first, like I'm gaining weight. I'm going to do it at a uh, I don't say slow rate, but like a not putting on an excess amount of body fat. I'm going to make sure I'm hitting my protein training really hard, you know, sleeping really well. Like it was just very well structured. And so I was like, okay, I'm not just going to do this for like three months, get scared, tap out, do a mini cut. And I just want to preface, there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you are wanting to go into a, into a surplus, but the only way to even dip your toe is just to do it for three months, do it. But I had gotten to this point where it's like, I really wanted to challenge myself. And for me, a challenge was doing a year. And so that's why I stopped at the year because I was like, okay, I did this for a year and I gained 12 pounds over that time, which some of that's going to be muscle. A good chunk of that was body fat. Uh, and then I went into my cut August 1st of this year of 2023. Um, and actually today is the last day of my cut. So funny that we're doing this, um, wow. podcast today, but today's the last day of, of my cut. And I think that's what you asked about the first, the first question for the yeah. book. Yeah. And I, just a follow-up question on that as well is, um, going through summer. Cause again, I, I bring this up cause I went through my own period, uh, this last week, like, or this last year we went to Greece. Like we had the busiest travel summer ever. And like, yeah. you look back and reflect on it and like, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody was thinking about you, but those are all always internal thoughts that you're going to have. And, and it's, yeah. uh, it's very normal. Right. And it's easy to get past that and to look back on it. Like, oh, I overstressed that. Or I thought too much yeah. about it. Or I knew, I knew that nobody was giving a fuck, but I still gave some attention to that. Um, yeah. not being what I'm referring to is not being your leanest self being, right. you know, for some people, 10, 20, 30 pounds over their normal body weight that, that they're comfortable seeing navigating through summer, being in less clothes. Like there's all these types of like little individual moments that can happen daily, right. When you're going through this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious how you, um, I'm curious how you navigated that. If you had some of those intrusive thoughts, um, and just kind of how you, you know, how you navigated that. Totally. So the, the first thing about summer is like, there's always going to be a, an event or period that you're going to be lean for. If it's not summer, then you want to be lean for the holidays and seeing family. If it's not that, then you have spring break coming up. Like 
there's always going to be an event that you want to be lean for. Now, can we say that like summer is a big chunk of that? And like, maybe that holds the most importance over the whole year. Sure. Okay. But then there's the other way that I would, I would have those intrusive thoughts, like you said, and it's like, okay, but yeah, I'm not lean for the summer, but I am building muscle the fastest, most optimal way. It's like just switching to the other positive. It's like, okay, if you're in a deficit, well, then you're not building muscle as optimally as you could. So my positive of this is I get to, okay, first of all, summer has a lot of social situations. Like you said, you went to Greece and you're traveling. How amazing is it that I get to have all of this food and not be in a deficit mindset for summer? I get to go to these pool parties and travel and beaches and I want to say I don't have to worry about food. I'm definitely like mindful of like getting my protein in, but it's a lot easier for me to overconsume food on a trip than to try and be in a deficit. So it's like, I just get a lot, like a ton of ability to enjoy a lot of food over the summer. And I get to put my body in an optimal building phase. So that was kind of how I just had to go through. It was one of just like, okay, there's always going to be, want, be something you're going to want to be lean for. Um, so yeah, summer's there, but also the holidays will come and then it's your birthday and then it's spring break. Like there's always something to be lean for. So that can't be a reason is the summer of like why you're hesitant or not wanting to stay in this bulk. And then two, we'll look at all the positives. You get all this food to enjoy. You get to build muscle super optimally. You get to, you know, create the shape that you're wanting that potentially you'll have for, for next summer, uh, you know, and strengthen also it's like, it's the long time, you know, more summers I have for the rest of my life. Like, can I take this one summer, one summer to not be optimally lean. And at the end of the day too, I only gained 12 pounds total. Like I, maybe some people feel like, oh my gosh, it's so much weight, but it's like, I'm as of today, I'm about 17 pounds down in my cut. So it took me 12 months to put on 12 pounds a whole year but 15 weeks to lose 17 pounds, like whatever weight I gained, I was able to just take that off essentially. And at that point during the summer, let's see, it was August. I mean, I guess it was like eight months into my, let's say like start of the summer is June. So that's what six plus like two, three months, let's just say eight months into my bulk. I was only eight pounds up. Like I'm probably not looking that crazy different. So I don't know I just kind of had to keep reiterating those things as I went through the summer. And then as I just realized like, wow, this is cool. Having a lot more food. Wow. This is like not terrible. And I can be in a swimsuit. And it's also an opportunity for me to challenge myself. Why do I feel like I need to be lean in a swimsuit? Why do I feel like my body is only acceptable if I look this certain way, like really breaking down those societal things that have been built up of like, that you have to be lean or there's a certain, you need to have ab definition. That's the way to look in a bikini. And so it just was a really good ability, a time for me to grow as well. So there's just a lot of positive that actually really came out of, of being in a bulk during the summer that I don't think a lot of people think through, you know? Absolutely. Yep. And thank you for answering that way. I had a feeling you were going to answer that, but I'm happy you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> cause man, it's, uh, it's funny. Cause we all share those thoughts, but a lot of the things that we think are bad, like we think they're bad and that's just the label that we've put on them because of other things or other experiences, or other people. When in reality, it's like, it's whatever we want it to be. Right. And so reframing yeah. that and looking at, at, at this is like, Hey, this is a really cool opportunity to actually like be in a different phase of my life. Also prep myself for maybe next summer. Right. If, if that's something yeah. that's important to you. Um, and like yourself, right. Going back to like, Hey, gaining weight, not everyone's going to be trying to do that, but for someone that might be hanging out at maintenance for a full year and actually like taking a year off from not trying to like be their smallest self or lose weight yeah. off, um, and navigating through some of those experiences. But, um, what I loved and, and kind of what I've grown to do more in my coaching that I feel, um, is 
always laying on the table, like what are the pros, the cons, the trade-offs, like what is it going to take to where you want to be? So these conversations yep. should have happened maybe a month prior, six months yeah. prior for you, eight months prior going into summer. Um, yeah. like, Hey, when I hit summer, I'm in a, there's gonna be the temptation to want to be lean. Cause I have this big long vacation and I want to look it at it, you know? And again, there's yeah. the whole exploring why you feel like you need to do that is a whole nother avenue that we can go down, mm -hmm. but understanding that, Hey, that's not going to happen. Um, but if we look honestly thinking out loud here, if we look at like the pros and the cons list, like the pros list of eating at maintenance or maybe eating in a surplus and lifting, you know, lifting more and like spending six months, nine months, a year, a year plus in some of these phases, the pros is a fucking mile long. The only cons, yes. one of the only cons, in my opinion, that I can think about is the scale is not going to show you what you want to see. And, and, you know, you might feel a little bit heavier, a little bit, you know, puffier. You might not see as much definition. Insert whatever it is that. Yeah. You know, when you're. But then you, you heavier, even right? could argue and challenge yourself. Is that really a con? Like that's exactly. a social construct that you feel a little puffier. Are you, do you really feel a little bit puffier? Are you two pounds higher in the scale? And so you're telling yourself that you're puffier. And so I love that you brought that up because it's just like, is that really a con? And I think there's also the the list of like, okay, if you are someone that's significantly overweight, obviously the pros of being in a deficit, losing those weight can is actually going to be longer than the con and then the cons because your health is going to be better. But if you're someone that's purely just going at it for aesthetic reasons, they're really like, I'm trying to like, the pro is pretty short of a list. And again, once you list them out, then you have to challenge, why is that a pro? Is that truly a pro? Or is it a social construct that I'm just believing? You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I would even say maybe another benefit to all of this is it can sometimes even be practice for what the rest of your life is actually going to look like, right? Cause yes. you meticulously tracking being a cut, trying to be super lean. Like we all know it takes exponentially more effort to maintain whatever results you get. Um, even though like, Hey, some people might think that's worth it. Great. You know, as coaches, as us, it's our job to like, say, Hey, here's the pros and cons of doing some of these things. But right. um, if you think about being in a surplus, being at maintenance, there's more flexibility with tracking. If that's something that you're choosing to do, there's more food right. freedom. There's more, um, enjoying what you're able to do and what life has to offer instead of always having the scarcity or restrictive mindset that a lot of people get mm -hmm. stuck in. And the greater chance that you look back on the Greece trip and it doesn't have to be Greece, right? It could be Mexico, yeah. it could be Oklahoma city. It could be wherever, yeah. it, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like going back and like, I wasn't an uptight fucking psychopath about that. And that made my trip and my experience better, which ironically, mm -hmm. a lot of people go through their whole life not feeling that way. They feel like maybe their trip was deprived or they feel guilty or they feel shameful or they have that lead yep. into some of these decisions to, you know, restrict or do whatever they need to do after their trip to make up for what the damage was done. And man, to me, that's just one of the most destructive mindsets that people find themselves in for, for their whole life. If you're not careful. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. Hell yeah. So long way to recap, recap your, your surplus. Thank you for doing that. I think there's a lot of good that came from that, but now going into your cut, I'm curious. Um, cause you said maybe you really didn't intentionally have a surplus in the past. This was a little bit more structured, a little bit more intentional. Yes. Was this, yeah. did you feel this way about your cut or have you had cuts in the past that you felt this serious about and you've, you know, set yourself up in the same way that you did this time compared to times past. I'm curious, just how this cut has changed or is the same as cuts in the past and what you did to, to set up for that. Yeah, no, I feel like every cut is different because I feel like every cut, I learn a little bit more. And like you said, we've talked about before, you're in a little bit of a different season of life. You know what I mean? And so, um, 
I would say I took cuts seriously in the past because I always thought fat loss was going to bring the ultimate pleasures of everything that I wanted in life. And you realize like, oh, okay. Yeah, it does help me to get leaner. But like, if I want the shape and I get going from aesthetics and also even like long-term health, like me losing body fat is not making it that I'm able body when I'm nine years years old. Like when you think about sitting on the toilet long-term for the rest of your life, that's not fat loss, that's muscle gain. Um, and so where was I going with this? This is my train of thought. Um, anyway, so I've, I've definitely been more serious about my cuts in the past. However, I feel like every time it gets a little bit easier, a little bit simpler, just because I know what to expect myself. I know the mindset struggles that I go through. I know the complications. I know how to go through a social event, how to say no to things, how to say yes to things, how to navigate the, the people who are making, you know, unsolicited comments about what you're doing and all that kind of stuff. I just know how to navigate that, but I'm more confident in that. But I will say this cut has been a little bit different because in previous cuts, what I've done is I start out a little bit more conservative. And as I get through my cut, I go a little bit more and more and more aggressive. And I actually flipped that. I started out more aggressive and then I would give myself the option if I wanted to kind of let go of the reins a little bit towards the end. If I was getting fatigued, then I could um, pull back a little bit. And that's been amazing. I have loved that. And the reason why, and I don't think I do this with every client. This is not for everyone, but because I have the experience you know, you're the most motivated and feel like doing what you want to do at the beginning of something. And so why not? It's funny to me how we, how most people structure it this way. And I don't think it's wrong, but it's now that I've gone through, it's interesting. We go really more simple and easy at the beginning. And then we, because we're getting towards the end and there's also, you've lost some body fat. And so maybe you do need to down calories a little bit, but then we go a little more aggressive towards the end when we have the least amount of motivation, the least amount of gas, the least amount of psychological to be there. And so it's been really nice to be like, okay, you know, the first eight weeks, like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I'm seeing results really, really fast. I'm a little bit more um, aggressive, but I feel, and I, you know, there's a whole talk of motivation versus discipline, but like when motivation is at an all time high, let's take advantage of that. And so I went more aggressive. And so now as I've gotten towards the end, yeah, I've been a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more relaxed with tracking here and there. There might be a few bites or tastes of things that I may not have tracked. I do try to still track stuff to be honest with myself. Um, but I've let go of things just a little bit. And so it's been really nice to see as I'm getting towards the end of my deficit, at least literally on day one, as I'm getting more diet fatigued and, you know, uh, all those things you experience towards the end of a deficit, I'm actually able to let off the reins a little bit. And so that's been an interesting experience to go through. And I think from now on, if I ever do cuts in the future, I am going to go more aggressive on the beginning because it's taking advantage of that motivation. You don't have the diet fatigue. You don't have the physiological, you know, sleep is really shitty. Your, your workouts are really shitty. Like let's go aggressive then. And so again, I don't think that's for everyone there. I do not put a lot of clients through that at all, but I've had had two or three clients that are much more experienced. And I've talked to them. I'm like, Hey, what if we did it more aggressive at the beginning? And then we probably could maybe even be done with this deficit sooner. And if we want to, we could let it put the ratings towards the end. So that's been the biggest change that I've made on this cut. And I have loved it. So I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that or done stuff like that with clients. So. Yeah, that's cool. And it's uh, it's just a great point to make about how cutting can look different for everybody. And there's not yeah. one specific way to do it. And, um, you know, if, if you follow people on social media, people will make it sound like there's only one way to do anything when totally with any type of nutrition advice or fitness advice. Those are usually the people maybe you want to steer clear from and people have their own biases that they're projecting on you and, and making a living off of Yeah, I digress, but being able to like 
identify that like, hey, what's my situation like? What does my time frame like? What 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 resources do I have? Am I yeah. able to go a little bit more aggressive in the beginning, or might would it be a little bit easier to you know go a little bit more slowly? All yeah. stuff I think personal experience plays a huge role. Like you going into your second, your third cut, like or beyond. Right versus your first is just a lot of learning opportunities that are there, but there's just so many different ways to do this. And I think that was a really good point to make for you is just the, the fact that like, Hey, you tried it differently this next time and it works right. And maybe four years, if you decide to do it again, you might do something similar. You might try something different, but as a coach, I think it's always cool to really, um, try some of these things before maybe we implement them with our clients. Or like you said earlier, like it's just something that you could speak to a little bit more resonate with your clients with. And, um, for me, that's something that I've personally changed my mind on. I've changed my mind a lot uh, about a ton of different things since like starting coaching, doing full 180s, not as much, but just like my perspective on certain things. One of them is cutting and I've always like, I love dietitians, but a lot of them will be like, losing weight fast is horrible for you. And it's yeah, to fuck up your metabolism forever kind of thing. And my counter to that is like, is it though, if, if the person is understanding of what the pros and cons are, if, if they're mm-hmm. observant of how this is going to fit into their life, right? Like of right. course, crash dieting and just trying something for a few weeks is very different than somebody maybe like yourself strategically going into this after a surplus and being you know, being in a space where you make that decision for yourself, but aggressively yeah. dieting, going into a larger sur- or, um, um, a deficit could be one of those things that might make more sense for the person. So we always have to yeah. like taking into account what's best for you and what do you want to try? Cause, uh, that's, what's going to make adherence maybe a little bit greater in the beginning, like yourself, yeah. a quicker progress for somebody that might make a world of difference being three, four pounds down in a few weeks compared to them being a half a pound, one pound down and feeling like it's not fucking working, you know, yeah. so knowing what totally. your uh, internal clock and your brain is operating at and trying to cater to that as much as possible. So yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Something else that I also changed that I want to mention too, is I started on a Tuesday, not a Monday for my cut. And it wasn't, I didn't do that intentional. It was just August. I wanted to do my bulk from August 1st to August 1st. And I was going to start my cut the second I was done on, you know, the following day. And that happened to be a Tuesday. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Like I was gonna like either, I was gonna actually start my cut a day early. I'm like, no, you said you're going to be a bulk for 365 days. I'm not letting you get out one day early. And so I was like, just do it. Like what's wrong with starting on a Tuesday? Again, a social construct that you're breaking right now. Like there's nothing wrong. And I've loved starting on a Tuesday or having this like every week as a Tuesday, because I feel like it takes like the weekend scaries out of the way of like, I don't know, for me, what something I struggle with is on the weekends, my steps are typically pretty lower compared to the rest of the week. And so if I have a really busy weekend, something comes up, I kind of have Monday to be like, okay, my steps are a little bit lower. Let me kind of up my steps today on Monday to kind of shape up the weekend a little bit. And so that's been really, really nice. But I think that was an unintentional change in me starting on a Tuesday of just being like, screw Mondays. Like you don't have to start on one, like you'll have the same progress. And honestly, it's been kind of nice because then on Mondays, you can kind of use that to kind of shape up how the previous week went. Not that you have to do that, but sometimes I'd like to do a little course correction if something's off over the weekend and it's been really, really nice. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, one of those things where like changing one small thing could be a really big difference for somebody, right? Yeah. Doing something different than what you've always done. This has nothing to do with it, but I find myself like switching for my dog, like the bowls where the water is and the food just to like yeah. make her realize that like, oh, it might be different or just like not getting used to 
you know, your habits and your routines and just live yeah. by that. Cause a lot of times that's, that's the kind of shit that keeps people stuck ironically too. You know, it's just thinking that like, Hey, this gotta be perfect. Everything's gotta be, you know, on paper, what I want it to be to start yeah. to, to finish this. And like you said, starting on a Tuesday or a fucking Friday, God forbid, yeah. you know, like it might be the thing that really helps challenge you and, and, and just opens your eyes to the fact that like, Hey, it isn't as serious as maybe you think it might be, you know? And yeah, uh, there's a yeah. lot of different ways. So I had a, a client who she recently was like, I want to start on Fridays. Like I want to start my week on Fridays. I was like, let's do it. And she's like, I love doing that because now I see for her. Cause I think for a lot of people, they struggle with seeing the weekends as like a screw it, just kind of whatever. And she's like, well, because I'm starting my weeks with weekends, I put more focus into them and I'm being more structured with my weekends. And so again, that could not, that might not be for everyone, but for her, we've never done that before. And it was a really good mindset shift for her where she was able to stay more consistent through the weekends. It's been a really nice uh, strategy for her is just switching that. And again, with all these changes with me, you know, starting on a Tuesday, her starting on a Friday, like nothing changed. The only thing that changed was just kind of our beliefs of breaking that down. And so I think a lot of times, actually, most of the time, what's holding a lot of you back, what's talking to the listener, is just that you won't allow your mindset to shift a little bit and let your perspective change on something. If you could just simply change your perspective, that would change everything for you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit more for a sec. Cause again, okay. I think we've kind of danced around this idea that like, Hey, your mindset needs to shift massive yeah. whatever you change with your nutrition with your with your fitness whatever plan you're following like a lot of times that's only temporary if your mindset isn't in you know again maybe in it for the long haul i guess we can say but also just appreciating the fact that hey maybe we're doing something different this time or maybe we're committing to something for longer this time or maybe we're yeah. trying something that we've never done before all of that comes from our psychology and and how we think and how we approach these certain situations so um something you've already talked about already is just how your maybe psychology has changed over the years that you've been coaching, totally. working with clients and even approaching your own stuff. But I'm curious, what are some of the most like common beliefs, things that you see bringing on a new client or even just working in the health space and getting random DMs all the time? Like what are, what are some of the, the things that you almost like, I, I don't want to, talk about how you coach. I don't know how you coach sort of speak. No, it's fine. I imagine a yeah. lot of it is like mindset work within that first massive. Month. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the things that you constantly find yourself talking about doing and helping people through that, you know, is usually a good starting point more so than like how much protein you're eating per day. Yeah. I think the biggest one is like look, being able to interpret your emotions versus the data. And so like with my clients, I have them do daily weigh-ins. And I think a lot of times you see on social media, they're like, you shouldn't be weighing in every single day. If you hate your scale, smash the scale. And it's like, okay, I can, I can see where you're coming from. However, if we're smashing the scale and avoiding that, we're never actually tackling the problem. Like the fact that you smash your scale doesn't take away that you have a, an innate massive fear of the scale you know, you just, you just smashed it, you know? And so a big thing that I have my clients do is we, I do have them do weigh-ins every single day. Um, and that's so we can look at the average. So I think the biggest massive mindset thing that people go through like week one, week two with me is we weigh every single day. They're like, oh my gosh, Bri, I'm up two pounds. I'm down two pounds. They're up two pounds and they're super upset. And the next day, like Bri, I'm down two pounds. Oh my gosh. And they have this like high, low, high, low. And then on the last day of the week, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm up again. And then I go, look at your week. Let's zoom out. And we look at their weigh-ins and they're down like a pound point two. And they're like, oh my gosh, I weighed in at 189. And then I, my, the last day of the week, I weighed in at 189 as well. 
but during the middle of the week, they weighed at 188, 187, and they flip-flopped. But you take the average and compare the averages, they were down over a whole pound. And so I think the biggest mind mindset change is stop looking at these one simple little moments. Let's zoom out a little bit and look at the averages for the week. And so the big mindset change there is one, realizing like the scale is in everything and we need to take our emotions out of it and actually apply logic. Like, yeah, you feel heavier and puffier, but let's look at the data. Like your feelings are valid. I'm always going to say, tell a client your feelings are valid, but let's actually challenge your feelings with reality and what the data is saying. And then we look at the day and they're like, oh my gosh, like this is so wild that I weighed in Monday at 189 and then Monday again at 189, but I'm a whole pound down. And then it completely transforms their, and even with calories too, there's a lot of times where, you know, their calories are 17, 1800 calories for the deficit. Right. And they eat, you know, 1600 calories this day, 700 calories this day, you know, different amounts each day, but they stay within their range. But then on Saturday, 2200 calories. But then we look at their average. And again, if their calories are 17 to 1800, they're like 1809. They're nine calories above their average because they had a 2200 calorie day from a, a social event. And they're like, oh my gosh, having one day where I go over my calories isn't that big of a deal. Like I used to think it was because a lot of people, they pop one tire, so they pop the rest of them. And so there's a big, big, just like switch on how averages matter, how zooming out matters, how one day, one moment doesn't really determine things. You could add ramen the day before, you know what I mean? And, and you have more sodium in your system. So that's why you weigh more. And so that's probably the biggest mindset change I see clients go through, um, is being able to zoom out and look at averages over time. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. And like the scale is just one small example of how totally. we can do that with literally anything too, you know? And, yeah. um, side note here, like I'm a big fan of therapy. I have most of my, I recommend therapy to all my clients at some level. Yes. Um, in just throwing it out there, like, yeah, there's a fine line between like what we were able to do as coaches versus what you could, should do with a therapist, but right. you bet your ass that we're going to challenge some of those things and yes. bring up some of those insecurities, um, and doing it in a, in a loving way. Right. And right. at some level, it's like, like you're alluding to, it's like, Hey, there's like this concept of avoidance versus mm -hmm. maybe, um, a certain amount of exposure to certain things. And I find right. kind of what you're alluding to that, and again, I'm biased, but like working with a coach is some of the best times to like experiment with this, right? Because yeah. those are the days that I'd rather have you text me than feel like you're doing it alone, or maybe you right. don't have a coach or somebody, maybe you have an accountability partner, but those are the days that we need to check in more, right? Or we need right. to have more conversations around or pin that for our next Zoom call that we have together. Um, and so it's like this, this balance between avoidance and exposure to what we, you know, actually mm -hmm. need to be doing. And again, every client is going to be different for some people, you know, the scale might not be as a big thing, but maybe the calories are, and maybe yeah. instead of saying, Hey, your goal, like you said, 1800 calories, that's the max that you've ever had. Maybe that's your minimum this week. Yeah. I want to see a minimum of 1800 calories a day. Yep. You know? And it's just like, it's again, exposing you to different perspectives, different sides of these things. Um, things that if you do on your own can have different outcomes than you working with a coach, even if it's for a two, three month stretch. Right. Yeah it doesn't have to be a forever thing. And that's not the goal of coaching all the time, but like going through some of these experiences with somebody else, especially somebody who's been in your shoes, man, I just find that's a really an enlightening experience for a lot of people. So of well, and it helps having that it helps having that validation because when you're navigating on your own, you're like, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but what if I'm doing it wrong? And then six months down the road, I gain five pounds. And again, there's nothing wrong with gaining five pounds. You could take five weeks and, you know, 
take off that five pounds if you really wanted to, but it's just like, it's really nice to have that validation of a coach saying like, no, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And this is supposed to happen. And this is why. And so you end up having less and less need to navigate the what ifs stuff. And that's why I find a lot of clients come to me. They're just like, they're tired of just like guessing if this is what they're supposed to be doing. And they just want someone to be like, this is what you're supposed to do. Yes. We're going to, you know, I'm sure you do the same with your clients. We have conversations. I don't always tell my clients you're doing this. It's like, look, here are the pros and the cons of going this route what makes sense. And let's talk about why that makes sense or why that doesn't make sense. And then, and then go through it from there. Yeah, for sure. And kind of, uh, taking us into this next thing that's on my mind is this idea of like goal setting. Cause I find that mm -hmm. a lot of these emotions that come from whatever stimulus it is that you see continuing with the scale, right? A lot of those negative emotions or positive emotions are usually associated with the fact that my goal is to lose weight right now or to not mm -hmm. gain weight or whatever insert goal. This is just one example here. And usually sometimes it's like the goals that we're like reaching towards that we think that's super important to us that dictate how we feel about certain outcomes or the day-to-day -day fluctuations that are 100% normal. So, um, I know you, preach this a lot, but transformations go beyond the scale since that's the example that yep. we're working towards right now. But I'm curious if, if you see some, you know, um, similarities between, Hey, when we change our mindset, so do our goals also change alongside yeah. too. Is that something that, um, you see in your practice, like, Hey, someone comes with this goal, we change our mindset, their goals also change with it. Or like, how does, how does goal setting fit into this? If you had to kind of like think about your clients as a whole. Yeah. So I, I think it's just because I focus so much on mindset, things evolve pretty much with most of my clients, whether it's, you know, we're in a short-term fat loss phase and then through, you know, through working together, they're like, okay, you know, I see like, again, I, I, I make the post every once in a while of like, Hey, I weigh the same here. I weigh the same here. And they have this realization of like, wow. Okay. Actually I do want more muscle. Like let's go to maintenance and maintenance can be my best life. And just, I think it's through talking about you know, their life and, and going on vacations and being okay to take a break that they just realize that they don't have to have a fat loss mindset all the time. And again, I don't want this podcast to sound like I'm against fat loss. I just went through, you know, I'm, I'm currently in, in a fat loss phase now. Like I'm not against that. There are definitely, I have most of my clients are needing to lose body fat for, for a health reason, but then they realize that it was never really the body fat losing and the scale that was actually the core issue. It was their belief against foods. It was their belief of how they viewed their body, their beliefs and how they should fit into clothes. And that was actually the transformative part about it. Yeah. Along the way we lost body fat and we, we got healthier because that was affecting your health overall, but actually what got you even healthier, that's going to carry you even more long-term is that you've challenged, like, again, how clothes should be fitting you. You should be fitting the clothes, not the clothes fitting you. you know, clothes are made like in this cookie cutter. I forget the, how the saying is, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, you should buy clothes that make you feel good and, and you fit into the clothes, not the clothes fitting you or whatever the way around. Um, you know, your best life isn't always going to be your leanest life. You know, I have clients that are really trying to push really, really, really lean and they get there and like, this sucks. Like, why would I do this? And then we go back to maintenance. They're like, oh my gosh, like this is so like, they forget how nice it is to be there. So it's, it's through them actually experiencing it, I think, and us having those conversations that that's how their goals change. But I have a, a chunk of clients where they think, Fat loss may be a part of it, but a lot of them that come to me, they're already lean people. They go into fat loss and then they realize what they've actually been chasing the whole time is more muscle. And they just have to break out of this hamster wheel that smaller is it's actually is going to bring them what they think that they're wanting. If that makes sense. Absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. Just this concept that, yeah, I think you use the word evolve, right. Or there's an evolution yeah. with the goals and what you deem is important to you. And a lot of times it might take going to being super lean to come back to a, a greater place of, appreciation, unfortunately. Yeah, know? totally. 
And again, it's like kind of this trial and error, like as unsexy as that is, and as as is it, you know, might sell, like, it's just not the things that people want to hear, but it's probably the thing that's most necessary for you to actually get to a place where you feel comfortable with it. And like you said too, I'm, um, kind of taking your words here sometimes, but this, this, uh, evolution that you can see throughout like a client transformation for me, one of the biggest victories that like I can have as a coach sometime or somebody who's working with somebody is for people to like despise wanting to lose weight or to spend more yeah. time maintenance or, or yeah. to, spend the, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to sp- commit six months to a surplus, right? Like those right. are usually the victories that I have more so than helping somebody to get really lean. Cause again, like yeah. you said, that could be part of it. And I mean, the vanity driven side of goals is always, you know, for a lot of people going to be a really important thing to them. It is for me, yeah. you know, it's something that I won't ever shy away from, but we yeah. just have to have the, uh, the conversations around what it's going to take. Is that really worth it to you? And is that something that is in your best interest right now? Right. Cause that's also yeah. the reality too, is like, Hey, you think this is going to get you to where you want to be when reality taking this path is, um, yeah. a lot of things that again are, are tough pills to swallow, but Hey, that's what we're here for, you know, and that's what we got to spend time doing. Cause chances are, you've never done that on your own. So yeah, yeah, totally. hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, the goal side of things is, uh, it's crazy to me. Cause, uh, we all have goals at some level, but like, there's that, like, ask the why five times after your goals. Like that's always a good way to do it. But yeah, sometimes it, it really just takes trying something new at some level, you know, and, and you've never intentionally tried to like lift four days a week. And, and instead of doing four days of orange theory per week, like that might be something that, that, you know, triggers somebody to start thinking differently. So there's a lot yeah. of ways that we can get to where you want to be, but you just have to be open to trying new things, right? It's like, yeah, you know, people around their health and fitness goals, unfortunately, just kind of go through that same hamster wheel cycle for, for years on end. So that's what we're yeah. talking about here. Well, I was listening to a, um, ebook. What was it called? Audiobook. A- audiobook yesterday. Um, it was like the 101, was it 100? It was something by Brianna Weiss or whatever her name, Weiss, something like that. 101 essays or something like that. It was one of her books, um, or a mountain is you is one of those books. Anyways, I was listening to her on a drive and she was saying, you know, when you create goals, you're creating goals based off of prior conceptions of what you know, like your prior knowledge, like goal setting is very interesting because when you set a goal or say what you want, what you want is created off of a a knowledge of only what you know, or what you've previously known. And so allowing for goals to change and evolve is really, really important because you actually don't know what you want. Now I do think there's a little bit of like, "Ah, okay, I think we kind of do a little bit, but I got what she was saying. She's like, you don't know what you want because what you want is something you technically have probably already had, or it's only based in a knowledge of what you can conceptualize because you've experienced it. And I was like, oh, that is so good. So it's like, if you can set a goal, but then allow yourself to evolve, I think that's the healthiest way to set a goal because you actually don't know that you want to be at maintenance because you never experienced being at maintenance. And so sometimes living in a deficit and realizing that sucks, trying to get the last five pounds off for the last five years. Now you realize you actually want maintenance because you've experienced that. And so allowing yourself to evolve in your goals, I think is really, really important. And just understanding that's what I always tell a lot of clients. Like when we start off is like, look, here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. But you know, the best part about this is it's your journey and we can change thing at change anything at any point that we want to. Now, do we want to be consistent for a certain amount of time to see if this is where we're going, what we want to do? Sure. But like, if you get six weeks into your deficit and you're like, dude, this sucks. I hate it. Cool. We can pull out and go to maintenance. Or if we go to maintenance, you're like, uh, I really want to be leaner. We can go back into a deficit. Now we have some conversation of why you keep flip-flopping so much. Yes, obviously. But 
you know, even just being able to dip your toe into something to see if it's something you may want, I think is really important. So I thought that was a really good point that she had made in one of her books. And I was like, wow, that's never thought of it that way, that what you're desiring as a goal is only created from a preconceived knowledge of things. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that kind of brings us full circle, even back into this, like where the damn shorts conversation too, of mm-hmm. like, Hey, I, I, cause there's a lot of mindsets around. I'll let you kind of do your spiel on a little bit more, but, um, yeah. This idea that like, hey, when I hit a certain benchmark or sit a certain weight or hit a certain goal or don't see what I want to see anymore, that's when I'll feel comfortable wearing the shorts. And it like, I got to preface this. It doesn't have to be the shorts. It could be the fucking, it could be for men, the tank top. It could be being shirtless, walking in the fucking neighborhood, like, like whatever, whatever you're working hard to get to, like, Mm -hmm. there's usually these like, um, yeah, I think you said, you know, prior these conceptions that we have in our mind of like what it what it would feel like to get there. We're not there right now. So we're yeah. not ready for it yet. Um, but I think it really ties into just, again, the psychology piece around this, everything that we've been talking about, but this, like, where the damn shores, I don't know if you came up with that, but I fucking love it. And it's, Thank you. it's, it's, it's kind of challenging. Like you said, again, like what you think to be true and what's not true. Right. Cause a lot yeah. of times it's just these self limitations that we've imposed on ourselves that, aren't really, or yeah, maybe even social constructs. I don't even think it's that either. I think it's just a lot of like internal thoughts and beliefs that we have around what we could and couldn't wear, what we should and shouldn't do based on our physique, based on how we look, um, yeah. which is fucked up if we think about it, you know, and yeah. there's so many people that are caught in this cycle, even myself included at some level. Like I went through two years of my life where I only wore sweatshirts and long sleeve shirts. Cause I didn't want to show my arms off, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Like work in progress. I'll wear the short sleeves when I feel good enough, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, that's just not, uh, it's not a healthy headspace to be in. But when you kind of say this message again, like you're living proof of it. I got to say the caveat, like it's, it's easy for somebody who's been into fitness for a long time, who does this for, of course, we're going to be more confident. We're going to say that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, fuck you. Like, of course you're having an easy time saying that, but yeah, the truth behind it. And chances are like, you know, we've all had our own experiences and they're not all the same. We can't compare them, but there's some of these similar tendencies that we all have to, to kind of battle through. Um, that's a long word, a way of you know, <laughs> recircling back into the, where the damn shorts movement, but I just want to touch on that one more time. And the messages that you're trying to get across to your, yeah. your people, um, and, and just why that can be so important as you continue to try and create a better version of yourself, right? You try and level up over time. Like that's still part of leveling up too, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, so I, where it started from is just, I think I kind of touched this a little bit at the beginning of just like, I had gone summer after summer after summer, you know, I live in Texas. And so it gets, you know, the triple degrees here. And so just every summer wearing jeans and like, if I ever, for some reason decided to wear shorts thinking about me in shorts, I would think about that every single waking moment of some event. And I just got to this point where I was so tired, just like sweating in jeans all the time. And I was like, look, like there's nothing wrong with my legs. My, I have, I have had this hating my legs for, and like you said, it can be your arms. It could be your back. It could be your, whatever it is. The the whole point of this is to just wear the article of clothing or whatever you want to do, even if you're uncomfortable with it. Um, and so I was just like, I'm done. Like I'm going to, I'm not going to full blown, just all of a sudden wear shorts everywhere, but a place that I really feel uncomfortable with wearing shorts. And I've never, ever worn shorts before is the gym. And I'm like, you know what I need to focus on. And the reason why I picked that spot in the first place is because I can appreciate all the things about my legs. Like 
on a leg day, if I'm wearing shorts, I'm like, I am able to leg press this. I'm able to squat this. Like, look at all these things that my legs do for me. Why do I hate on it so much? You know? And so I made the challenge of you have to wear shorts every single workout. It was like in May until the end of summer, which whatever day that is, that it's like in August or something. I did every single day except for one. I had one day I didn't, but that was because I ran out of shorts and they were all like in the wash or something. But I did it. I remember at the end of summer, I got to this point where I was like, I actually preferred shorts. I enjoyed shorts. I'd get like upset if I didn't have any clean shorts because I enjoyed wearing shorts and nothing about my life changed except that I just changed my mindset and challenged myself just to wear the shorts more. Um, and so, you know, and I have cellulite and everything. I think that's another thing that people don't think is they look on social media. And that was, that was the biggest reason why I didn't like wearing shorts is I had cellulite. And I think another reason is my mom growing up, um, she'd always talked about how much she hated her legs. She never wore shorts. And everyone always says like, I'm a very like copy and paste of my mom basically. And so I think subconsciously, you know, hearing that growing up, that was a very like copy and paste of my mom and hearing my mom saying how she hated her legs and this and this and this probably underlyingly got to me in a way. And so I didn't like mine as well. And then also on top of, you know, social media and cellulite and just realizing everyone has cellulite. Um, it's not a big deal. And so the, I'm never going to, the only way for me to start wearing shorts is for me to push myself just to do it uncomfortably. Like there's not going to be a day where I'm finally comfortable. And I think where I came to that realization is I think I said this earlier, you, you look back at photos of like previous vacation. You're like, I look back at photos of myself in bikinis. I'm like, I hated myself in that bikini. I hated myself. But I look back, I'm like, wow, like phys- aesthetic wise, I look really good. And I'm just like, okay, it, this shows that it's clearly a mental problem that it's not, there's a problem with my body. It's not a problem with anything like that. It's that I have something mindset wise that I need to break in me and get past it. And so I just started wearing shorts, like I said, during that summer and then got to the end of the summer, I was like, wow, this is actually really comfortable to be in shorts. And it's just slowly through that of pushing myself to wear shorts. And I wear them all the time. Like this morning I was getting dressed, putting on my workout clothes. And I was like, damn it. I don't have any shorts. I don't want to wear leggings today. Past me would be mind blown that I had that thought process, but all I did. And I mean, you could say like, yeah, you built muscle and you're in a cut. I still have cellulite. I literally was in the gym yesterday and I was walking and I was like, oh, look, I say like, let me film this so I can post this. And I was like walking with, and I've lost 17 pounds. And so it's not the fat loss this is going to fix stuff. It's not the muscle building is going to fix stuff. I carry my weight in my lower half until I would probably have to be in a lifestyle that make me miserable to be lean enough where I wouldn't see it. And so I was just like, I'm just done. Like you just get kind of tired of your own, your same old shit. You know what I mean? And you just get to this point where you're like, I'm done. And so that's just kind of the evolution of the process. And I was like, you know, I hope this inspires other people. Cause I know a lot of people like, don't like to, like you said, your arms, your stomach, whatever. And it's just like, just embrace it. Because the other thing, we only get one shot at this thing called life. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really want to waste it. Not wearing shorts because some little dots all over my legs. Like, why do we care so much about that? So that's, I went on like a long, whatever rant on that, but that's kind of the whole, where the damn shorts movement kind of came from and how it's evolved over time. So, yeah, no, and it's much appreciated too. Cause I know a lot of people can resonate with that and are going through that right now. And ideally that's the thing that's like the impetus for them to maybe wear shorts this week or insert yeah. whatever it is. And, uh, I'm here for it, but kind of to summarize that in my own words or what I heard from that is this concept of like, you can never hate yourself into like a new body or a new mm-hmm. look, you know, like yeah, yeah. self-acceptance and like you getting to different places and staying there come from you of like appreciating where you're at right now, where you want to be, where you've been, um, kind of just looking at the whole spectrum of like where we sit here today. Cause chances are like everyone's had some experiences with the, with this in the past and nothing will change going forward unless you change something today, you know? Mm-hmm. So this is this idea of like, Oh, I'm 
I'll be happy when is just fucking killer to most people. Um, and uh, unfortunately what happens is like, if you don't let yourself wear shorts or whatever piece of clothing now, when you lose 15 pounds, like, like you said, like you'll still see some of the cellulite or you'll see some of these imperfections and yeah. the goalposts will move even more. Right. And it, yes. it just be somewhat of this pursuit to, to something that you think might be important to you that really actually isn't, that could have been addressed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that might give you just a little bit more freedom. Um, and as you've kind of alluded to, just like improving the quality of your life in the moment, but maybe also being more appreciative when you do make meaningful changes, when you go into a surplus or when you go into a deficit and yeah. you can see some of those changes, like if you allow yourself to wear the shorts or whatever it is right now, and then in six months, like maybe you look better by your definition, like that's also a cool form of progression too, but it's because you allowed yes. yourself to really fucking feel that right now. And yes. a lot of people rob themselves of that experience. And again, make this process a little bit more difficult and kind kind of a more mind fuck if we're being honest um, than yeah. it needs to be. Yeah. No, I like that you said that of, of where, you know, maybe you wear the shorts now and then in your brain, you look better aesthetically in a few months. If you can embrace wearing the shorts now, like you said, you can appreciate it so much later when you do have more of the aesthetic appeal that you're wanting. But if you only accept yourself wearing the shorts when you have the aesthetic appeal, then you're putting parameters around it. And you will only accept yourself wearing shorts in this way. Not why that's it now. And then no matter what phase of life you're in, you can accept with what you're wearing at that point. And there's not this, these conditions or parameters that are put around it. So I love that you said that part. Yeah, for sure. And maybe one of the last things I'll be respectful of your time, but that I want to touch on today is um, kind of this, this mindset of like buying clothes, you alluded to it already, but buying clothes that fit you instead of, yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe we're having this conversation around, Hey, I have these high school jeans or leggings or call it whatever. And I fit better in them yeah. now. And I'm, five, six, 10 years removed from that, but I still own that. Um, I think that there's kind of a difference and maybe some, some, you know, work that could be done there. Again, I'm not somebody that says you should just throw everything away. Right. Cause like right. with clothes as a man, it's like, it's so fucking easy. If we're being completely honest, it's like, like I buy shirts and shorts once every two years and I'm good for the next 10 years. And I just fit a little right. differently in them. Women, it's the opposite, right? You buy something now and you wash it once and it's way fucking different, right? Or you have to yeah. buy all these new pieces of clothing. And again, it's, this is not a, like I'm judging women. Like this is the reality that you guys live in. Um, and maybe, yeah. maybe not everybody, but I get that there's like a monetary value around some of these things, right? And as yourself yeah, going totally. through surpluses and deficits and you're swinging between five to 10 to 15 pounds in any given year, like other people are out there thinking like, damn, I do that too, you know? And it could be more of a mind fuck when you fit differently into some of these things. So I'm just curious, I don't even know what I'm asking here, but like where your stance is on, do you have different you know, um, wardrobes for different seasons of your fitness life. Do you have the same type of clothes that you've wore that you just kind of wear given whatever season of your life? How do you go about buying new clothes and having the mental capacity to let old ones go? And maybe that, you know, and, and maybe speaking in general here when, Hey, maybe this reminds us in a, of a time of our life where we were smaller and we thought X, Y, and yeah. Z, like that can be a mind fuck for people. And I, I just, I yeah. personally don't know much about it. I'm curious. I don't expect you to have any of these, there's no right answer for any of it, but I'm just curious how you personally navigate through that. And if you do that with kind of your, your clients, cause I know you work mostly with women too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So as far as clothes, when I think about like my surplus of how I navigated clothes, I mean, I just kind of slowly let myself like not fit into things. I think by the end of my surplus, there's probably 
50% of my pants fit me still. I would say like, I, I definitely gained more of my body fat, like lower body. I definitely gained it everywhere. I mean, you can see that in my transformation photos, but, um, and also my shorts, shirts are stretchy. Like I didn't really have to shirts was not really much of an issue. I would say probably at all, but as far as like lower body, I think by the end of it, I only had 50%, maybe, maybe even less like 40 to 30% of my pants that fit me. And I have to remember, like, I knew this wasn't forever for me, at least for me, it was like, okay, like I'm going to go into a cut and I'll fit back in these. And so I just took the less wardrobe that I had. Yeah. It sucked not to have options for this and this and this and this, but it's like, you know what? Like you said, it is a financial thing. Like if I wanted to, I could go out and buy clothes that fit me, but then in three months, they're not going to fit me because I'm going to go into a cut and I have to get them tailored and all that kind of stuff. So for me, it was more like, Hey, this is the short-term thing for a long-term gain. Just accept that you can't fit into some of them. You'll fit in them here in a little bit. It's not the end of the world. Just put those away and just figure out outfits with what you have. It's not a big deal. You just get over it kind of thing. It was kind of, you know, kind of thought through it. Um, but I've also had it where I have shorts. I actually did like a reel on this where I have shorts where I will never fit into them ever again. And it's not because of a bulk or because of whatever. It's because I have, I want to build muscle. And this is the thing that gets past so many people is when you build muscle, you are physically putting more, something more on your body. You're putting muscle on your body. You are growing your body. And so if your goal is to get this like juicy booty, you are going to size up in your clothes. And so I did this whole reel while I went through, I don't know, like 10 pairs of shorts and I think like eight, no, probably like six out of the 10, I didn't fit in anymore. And I won't ever, they were, I couldn't even get them over my hips. And so I knew like, okay, yes, I've gained 12 pounds, but I even know if when I lose 12 pounds of body fat, it still ain't fitting because I built muscle. And so there's different, I think there's different phases of how you go through clothes. There's a clothes where it's like, Hey, this is a short-term thing. You're doing a bulk, whatever, just put them aside and you'll fit into them later. But then there's the other side of like, okay, you just sized out of six of your pairs of shorts. You only have four shorts now, which four shorts is plenty. I mean, I don't need really more than that, but you're going to have to go buy shorts that fit you now. And so I think the biggest thing that's a struggle for most people is like, if your goal is to build muscle and get strong, you're going to have to accept a bigger pant size or shirt size or whatever, again, your aesthetic goal is. And that's really hard for people to, they just automatically assume if I am sizing up in a pair of pants, it's because I put on body fat and I'm fluffier and I need to cut. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you're, you completely, you're not understanding the whole concept. Like you build muscle, you get big, you're trying to build a bigger booty, but then it's not it's not clicking that bigger booty means bigger pants. Like, you know, it's just, it's funny how it doesn't click. Does that all make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that too. And yeah, kind of what I heard is this one side is like, you actually have to have like the honest conversation with yourself of like, what season of life was this in? Am I beyond that? Is this something that am I'm, I'm holding on to for like sentimental sake or whatever it might be. Um, all hard decisions. Like, let's be real. Like, like yeah. it could be difficult doing that, but it can also be really empowering. Right. And it can yeah. also be really nice to like leave that maybe, you know, air of your life behind you. If that's something you're not going to be mm-hmm. going back to here in the near future. Yeah. Uh, so I think that could be a really cool exercise. Again, you know, maybe working with me might not be the best. Someone with Brie reaching out, like working with your therapist on like, who knows? <laughs> but, um, I just, I had to ask that because I've even found myself going through some small version of that, like getting rid of like different pants or shirts. And I'm yeah. just like, holy shit. Like I used to be a medium. Now I'm like a medium large and it's just, yeah. I'm 
don't plan on going back there. So like better to just donate this shirt because someone yeah. else can get better use from it. So, um, but it, it came from like having an honest conversation with yourself and really like thinking about why am I holding on to this? Is this something that's actually realistic for me to fit into again? Or am I better yeah. off replacing this with something else or saving up to replace you know, this in the future, um, knowing that I'm going to be at a different season of my life going forward. And there's nothing yeah. wrong. With that. I think that's a really cool experience to have sometimes too. Yeah. I have some clients. I think there's another like, uh, phase of like not fitting clothes. I have clients who are, you know, losing body fat and they're like, okay, I'm in the middle. Like I don't fit in these pants anymore, but if I buy new pants, I'm not going to fit in those in three months. So like, what do I do? And I, and I always tell them, I'm like, when I understand that finance finances is a thing. So it's like, if finance is a thing, like the clothes that you don't fit in, um, sell them, like put them on Poshmark, go to Plato's closet, whatever, and sell them and get some cash, but you deserve to feel good in your clothes now. And so if you're not fit, getting into jeans and there's a financial aspect of that let's just go buy, buy one pair of jeans that you feel good in that that fit and then when the time comes that those don't fit anymore throw them on Poshmark for $5 less than you bought them cuz they're gently used you know what i mean like they're going to be in good shape and then we'll get we'll get the next size but i always tell clients like you deserve to feel good in your clothes now and i don't want you waiting till you hit whatever goal this is, because honestly, we don't know where it's going to stop. It could be, we go into a deficit. Okay, cool. We got a lot of fat loss. Okay. Now we're going to go to maintenance and we'll do another fat loss phase later. Like there's so many evolving parts and recognizing it's okay. If maybe for the next like couple of years, you don't have a, again, this is a fi finance is an issue. You don't have a ton of clothes option. You have like two pairs of jeans because you may end up sizing out of them. You know, you have, you know, I don't know, again, depending on who you are, your shirts may be the thing. And I always go pants because it females. That's what we struggle yep. with. Yep. Um, we kind of have to navigate where you're at and if financial if finances, isn't an issue. Then yeah. As you lose body fat or you grow or whatever, go get yourself new and better pants because there's, I don't know if anyone's seen on social media, but I've seen a lot of people post where they'll do like this transformation and I'll be like, how I went from this to this. And it's someone like spilling over in their jeans and someone not spilling over in their jeans. And all they did was buy a bigger size. They didn't lose body fat, nothing. They just bought the size that fits them. And it's like, I think so many times that we, you know, I think a lot of women focus on like this number, like I need to be a size two. And it's like, size two is just like, it's an, it's just, just an abstract concept that we came up with. It could be called computer size computer. And like, why are we chasing size computer? Like, it's just this abstract concept that we've made up. And so, you know, just, yeah, I think that's where I'm gonna stop with, with all of that. Yeah. I think you understand what I'm saying. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's uh, yeah. Especially when it comes to like female clothes, like the most subjective fucking numbers I've ever seen in my life. I mean, somebody could be a size eight and be a size 15 or I guess it's not odd, right? 14 or something in another size, right? Or be yeah. a two and then be an eight. And it's like, you can't take those numbers to heart, you know? And it's, uh, it goes back to the concept that you alluded to earlier of like buy clothes that fit you instead of trying to fit into clothes that like, that don't fit you. Yeah, and, it makes you uh, feel good. Hell you yeah. know, if you're going to make this long-term sustainable, if you've got either a lot of weight to lose or what you don't have a lot of weight to lose feeling good helps you pursue your goals. And if you just feel terrible, every time you put clothes on, like you're not going to want to do the things that you have set out for you. If you've never, wh whoever's listening, go on to Google and type in, I think you type in like pants that are all the same size, different brands. And there's this photo that circulated the internet for like a handful of years. And it was like eight pairs of women's jeans. They were all the same size, but you can see how different the sizing is. And so it's just, there's nothing wrong with you. If you fit to in a size zero in one place, but a size six in another place, 
okay, cool. They just have a different sizing scale. What I do nowadays, like when I, I know my measurements, that's how I base everything. If I go online shopping or whatever, I know my measurements are this, this, and this. I just go to their size chart. I look at, to see where my measurements are. And then I just go over. If that number's an eight, cool. It's an eight. If that number's a 10, cool. I shopped on Amazon. Like when was this? Actually it was last winter for like a pair of tights. And I bought a medium because I'm normally a medium and things the medium didn't fit. Okay. So I went up to a size large, size large didn't fit. I got an extra large, extra large didn't fit. And I was like, okay, there's something wrong with this company, not me, because I've gone up three sizes. And every time I went up, it didn't really budge a, a, a lot. And I just, so I was like, okay, there's something wrong with the company, not me. And I think that's a huge mindset shift to be like, look, all these companies for some reason, for some reason, you guys with pants, you guys have a waist and length. Why don't we have a waist Facts. and length thing? Yep. Why is that so different for men and women? Because we're, it's, I'm going to not going to get that. just so frustrates me, but yeah, all of that to say, it's just like, just go with what fits you. Cause that's where you're yep. going to feel good in. So yeah, maybe it's just because all women have different like femur sizes or some shit. Who knows? <laughs> and yeah. That's something. Guys, something. You know? yeah. My gosh. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's but crazy. yeah, just to put a, you know, finishing touch on that. It's like, there's a good chance that you uh, pant size higher or something might fill that shit out better. And you look better in the yeah. size too, right? Instead of trying to like yep. squeeze your way into something too. So again, we beat this to, you know, to a point here, but just fucking shop clothes that fit you. And chances are you're going to feel better in them from, yeah. you know, from a comfort standpoint, but you're also yeah. probably going to look better in them if they fit you better and, and you're buying a 100%. size that is more conducive yeah. to your structure and how you fit right now. So, um, easy for me to say as a guy, but I'm happy I have you here to validate that point for me. Cause, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a mind fuck for a lot of people. Yeah. So, well, people uh, even say like, well, it's easy for me to say because of how I look or whatever. Look, I still can't fit in the pants this day. I just bought two. I just took two pair of pants to the tailors because they don't fit. They fit me great in the thighs and the butt, but like the, the waist is massive. And so I think a lot of people think, oh, once I get fit, like clothes shopping is going to be so easy. No. If anything, it becomes harder because you no longer fit the mold of like the straight and narrow, like everything is cookie cutted to be slender. And like, when you're building muscle, you're no longer in that slender category. And then when you're trying to have a small waist and like, you know, strong legs and a big butt or whatever, it just gets more complicated. So it's like, you know, <laughs> wake up call. Like it doesn't get easier. It's always going to be frustrating shopping for clothes. And so just accepting now that like clothes are, they're made in a cookie cutter way because there's a massive amount of people they're trying to serve and they can't make it to fit everyone customized and perfect. So, but I always just think to myself, I'm like, I always go for like a lot of the cheaper pants and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, I'm going to have to get them altered anyway. So technically I'll buy like a pair of jeans for like 25 bucks and I'll spend 25 bucks getting them altered. I just paid $50 for a custom pair of jeans. And I'm like, actually, that's kind of cool that, you know, I just only had to pay 50 bucks for a custom pair of jeans. And so I try to play a positive spin on it as much as it sucks yeah. to have to get stuff altered all the time. So yeah, absolutely try and try and have as much fun with it as you yeah. can before yeah, you know exactly. it. it's like an enjoyable experience that you don't do as often because you know, you're fitting into clothes and you know how exactly. they fit and you're not changing a ton. Like that's, right. that's sometimes a good life where it's like, Hey, I'm, I know what it takes to get to where I'm at. I know what it takes yeah. to sustain that. I'm happy yeah. doing it. I'm going to buy clothes that support that. And then before you know it, you can go, you know, a few years, who am I kidding? Girls, buy clothes. Like it's fucking, <laughs> yeah. We're talking event, about a few years. Excuse, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> before you know, you might be buying less clothes and you right. enjoy your wardrobe more because right. there's not all these misfits everywhere. So hundred percent. Yeah. Totally. Well, totally. I love that. I think, uh, I think we'll end it there. There's a lot of good, uh, 
just a lot of good topics today. I appreciate it. I didn't know where the podcast was going to go, but I'm happy it went in the direction it did. Yeah. I um, appreciate you again for being on here. Give a little minute on where people can find you. I know you um, do a really awesome group program, like plug whatever you got, and uh, I'll make sure to include everything in the show notes as well. Yeah, of course. So you can find me on Instagram, Brianna Ray Fitness, and Brianna's with two N's and Ray is R-A-E. Um, which again, like you said, it'll be in the show notes. I do a group training program, um, that opens for enrollment every six weeks. So the next time it's going to be open is December 4th. I don't know when this episode is getting posted. So whether you missed that or not, just follow me and you'll see when it's enrollment opens, um, where it's basically a, a training program that's for the masses. Uh, it's not customized, but it is geared towards women that want to build muscle and build strength. Um, I do the group training for my own training as well. And I also do one-on-one coaching for nutrition and for training as well. Um, again, you can find pretty much everything on Instagram. There's some links for some stuff, my application, uh, website, all that good stuff. So that's everything. Oh, Oh, and I also have my own podcast, the damn strong podcast. So if you guys want to listen to that too, you know, you can just hop over there after listening to this episode as well. Oh yeah. Go check it out. Appreciate you, Brie. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.